Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Creed 3. Um, the first Creed film that we've done outright on the podcast. I think we did the other two mm. as part of that big Rocky. We did all the Rockies. Mm. Creed's been a really big success. Mm. You know, so Rocky obviously has been going since the 1970s and it's had its ups and downs. And I think when we did the whole lot of them, it was the first time I'd seen a lot of the mm. Rocky films. And I thought, wow, some of these are really, really terrible. Mm. But it had this upswing. I mean, I thought Rocky Balboa, which was the last Rocky film, mm. was really good. And then they took on the... Uh, Apollo Creed character's son as the new it, it was sort of it was sort of spin-off theme and that's why it was given a different title Creed mm. as opposed to Rocky um, but that's become now the continuation of the series with Michael B. Jordan mm. playing Adonis Creed Apollo's son and he interacts with Rocky and trains with him and so on this is the first film that doesn't have Sylvester Stallone um, playing Rocky in it, and Rocky, in fact, is barely mentioned. He's not dead. I did. I, I couldn't remember what happened at the end of Creed Two, and, and uh, I checked just now. Um, he, he's not dead, so he's just not addressed. Mm. There's maybe the possibility that he will return, and I can see another film coming after this because, as you were just saying, this has been ridiculously successful mm. in its first four or five days. It's made a hundred million mm. worldwide, which I must say really surprised me because, you know, during most of the time watching it, I thought this is the most boring film of the year. You find it really boring? I did. I found it very... I found it entertaining, but I found it the most predictable. So, I mean, it really reminded me of those middle uh, Rocky films, which were the ones I... I hadn't seen hardly any of them. Um, But it really reminded me of those because that's when that series got really soap opera. I think even at its worst, the Rocky series knew how to tell a story. Mm. Right? I thought... The flashback structure to this one, the way that it was spaced out. I mean, you really didn't know kind of what was going on. And at a certain point, I really didn't care. I thought, you know, you were being told things, but they weren't being dramatized. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it all lacked tension and rhythm. And really, it was only at the end that, you know, particularly in that expressionist last fight yeah mm. where he goes into a dream thing that i thought okay something interesting is happening and then actually i was a bit moved by the end yeah okay in quite a manipulated way but nonetheless i was you. moved but everything leading up to that i thought this guy does not a tough story okay so let me just tell you the the setup for the film which is that uh, adonis creed it has now retired from boxing he's had a very successful career his wife played by tessa thompson is a very successful music producer, but she doesn't perform so much anymore because she's got an issue with her ears. We knew that from the first film. She's kind of losing her hearing, and on stage that was exacerbated. So that so they both kind of retired from what they from what they really love and what makes them who they are. Uh, but they've got a very happy family now with the young daughter who's deaf, and the big conversations in sign language happen mm. throughout the film, which I really liked. And then someone from Adonis's past comes back you can't outrun your past this is the way of the soap opera (laughs) Um, and you know if you if once you meet this guy if you kind of feel any surprise as to what happens um you're kind of a mug because it's fairly obvious what's going to be going on with this guy it is um but i won't say any more right now spoiler territory will be coming up um so you said at times you you didn't know what was going on well i thought the whole beginning thing yeah which is the point of origin of their friendship or how one of them ended up in jail. It's a real 
Angels with Dirty Faces story, mm. right? You know, two poor kids, you know, they get into this kerfuffle. One of them ends up in jail and the other one becomes a world famous boxer. Yeah. Right. And unlike in Angels with Dirty Faces, this leads to a kind of resentment. So, but that brief moment is really stretched out. So it's one flashback. But it's shown to you in what, four moments or four different well, moments? Well, it's the or... opening movement of the film. I mean, it's before the title comes up. It worked for me as, as setting up what this past that comes back is going to be. Oh, it, I, I thought it was really spaced out for too long. I didn't really know yeah. what, what was going on. I mean, did you get that he was, that was the young Adonis? And... Yeah, yeah, eventually you get it, right? right? But at that moment, you are thinking, what's happening? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to say I got that right away because... Because you're introduced, well, you see the mother character for one thing. Yes, I think she calls him Donnie, although not necessarily to remember that because I just remember him as Creed. Mm. Halfway through the film, I remembered his name is Adonis, um, but also because like the computer on his desk is a very old computer. I'm like, no, right, this I, isn't happening I, in the modern day. I knew that that was happening. I knew that that was him. I knew that that was like sure. Adonis, but I just didn't know what was happening. Right, right. and and there is a flash. Flashback, then it returns to the present, and flashback, and it returns to the present. And fla- I kind of, I didn't like that at all. Okay. I thought it didn't work. But I think it's more, throughout the first hour and a half of the film, or hour and 15 minutes, I just thought that you were being told things in quite a smug way, mm-hmm. yeah? But it wasn't being dramatized. I didn't know what the tension was, yeah? So, you know, the wife would, would tell him something about not holding back on the past, and you think, well... Yeah, it's like a, an episode of Oprah rather than... Well, know. this is where I th- it was um, reminding me of soap opera. It, it was telling and not dramatising so much. And it's it very much about the kind of family dynamics. And, I mean, in a way, that, that became a lot of the charm of those middle Rocky films, was that it was like the, the next episode of the family story and someone else comes back and we have another fight to express it. Um, it had kind of a, a certain charm. And and here it had a certain charm as well, but it's not good. No, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, and the other thing, you know, just in defense of Stallone, you know, he's a really pulpy filmmaker, yeah. you know, but he's got verb and he's got rhythm, you know, and he moves to an emotional beat. I thought this film, even those montage moments where they're in training, mm. you thought, what's the rhythm on this? How is it tied to the music? Is it meant to pop you up? I thought all the editing was off. It didn't build into anything. Mm. I really thought the storytelling was atrocious. Um, do you think that carries on with the fights? How do you think the fights? No, the were... fight, the, the the fights were I thought were wonderful. Yeah, yeah, oh, wonderful. It's not Scorsese or anything like that. It's not you know mm. you don't feel a kind of a depth of emotion when watching those fights. But at least they move, right? I mean, I found them really effective. I was with they them. are effective. You know, I was like clenching my teeth. Yeah. I did too. I, I did mean, too. I never feel like oh, I wonder what's going to happen. It's not telling the story to the extent that I am really in any doubt as to who what the outcome will be. And when you get to the final fight, and of course they go to the twelfth round. Like every fucking film goes to the twelfth round. You can't yeah. just have a knockout in round three or something, yeah. you know. And well, the one thing I, I, I liked more about this than a couple of the previous fights, I mean, I really liked Rocky Balboa and I really liked Creed, the first mm. one. Um, I don't remember Creed too so well. But the issue that I have with the fights at the end of those is when they finish, there's all this fucking hugging between the fighters mm. and all this, you know, oh, you've earned my respect, you're a great fighter. You know? And I'm like, because those fights were about like the new guy proving themselves or in fact with Rocky, it was the old guy proving himself. Mm. Um, and the thing is, 
I'm not a big fight fan, but that kind of hugging and expressive, you know, you're a great fighter. No, you're a great fighter. That carried over into real life boxing. Like mm. they thought they were in a fucking Hollywood movie. Really annoying. I want to see a grudge match. And here, this is a grudge match. This is. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's really well. Um, I mean, this has its own drama. It's spectacle. You really feel the punches. Yeah, it's got tension. It's got suspense. You are curious as to yeah. yeah, kind of what's going to happen. Everything that the film lacks in all the other scenes is visible uh, in in the fights. I, I did really like it. And I love the expressionist bit where they go into a dream of the past. And, you know, I love that the way that it was visualized. The prison bars come up. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, yeah. I, I, went, I, thought when I, I thought, is this cheap or is this good? I couldn't tell. But I was with it, I guess. Yeah. I mean... I did like how the crowd disappears. Yeah. I mean, it, it, one thing that you're thinking, I guess, when you're making a boxing movie is how am I going to do something different to all the other boxing movies? There have been thousands. And I don't know that I've ever seen them like go that much into a kind of, it's just the two fighters here because you, you've set up this huge ring. They're in, um, they're in the, the Dodger stadium, is it? Mm. The baseball stadium full of people. And it very smoothly done in a cut or in a kind of transition, the crowd goes away and it's just the two fighters. Yes. And I thought, I do like this, actually. I liked it. I mean, it is, I suppose, you know, your question of, is it, is like, it cheap? Is it, cheap? Um, it kind of is. It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, at least it's some imagination and it's metaphor and you are in their heads and you, you, yeah. know, you understand and you feel, right? which was not the case with me, like, for most of the film. Uh, I really thought, uh, you know, I really love Felicia Rashid. Yeah, obviously, I remember her from Cosby. She's the mother. Mm. But I did think that at many moments, she's more an attitude than a person. (laughs) And actually, I felt the same with a wife. Mm. You know, kind of, you know, this knowingness, forgiving, perfectness. It's an attitude. You you never sense as a real person, like, yeah, yeah, there. Right. And I thought that was true of like the film as well, the way that it was being told. It is a series of attitudes of how, you know, you should behave. And and that includes actually the whole family reunion in the boxing ring at the end. Right. It's like, you know, it's all about family and so on. Well, like, you know, you've just finished a fucking boxing match. You should be in the hospital or bleeding somewhere. Right. Or. Or with some blonde, right? Like, uh, well, I, mean, I, I, I said to you, he's just, he's just become world champion again. And what happens when you're world champion? Everyone leaves you alone. And, think, you know. and, and actually, one thing I was thinking during the fight as well is by the time you get out of that sort of sort of dream sequence or kind of altered reality, um, and you're in the 12th round all of a sudden, you know, they hardly look injured. Like, they, sh- they should be battered to fuck. There's, yeah. like, there's a bruise and a bit of a cut on her nose. I mean, is it just keep me looking pretty sort of thing you know i don't know they should be absolutely destroyed by that point i thought you know i i really love michael b jordan as an actor yeah right um but i really think he's got no talent as a director he's got no rhythms he doesn't have a visual sense and he does himself a disservice as an actor you know because there's no humor Mm. Yeah, kind of, you know, there's not a joke in the whole thing, really, kind of. And the only sense of energy and something that could be construed like that is uh, the villain. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors, who is terrific. You know, I, I don't think I've seen him before. And I thought, my God, this guy's a star, you know, like kind yeah. of, he's so alive on screen. Right. Um, I don't think I've seen him either. He's the new villain. I think he's going to be the new main villain, like the Thanos equivalent in the new Marvel mm. phase. 
So he's in Quantumania, which is a new Ant-Man, which we haven't seen. Um, but Matt saw it and he was telling me about him and he said, like, he's the bright spark in that film. Sort of. Yeah, well, he's the bright spark in this. I mean, he mm. makes the film for me. Right? Yeah. Uh, also, whoever did the casting is very good because the young man who played his yeah, younger they, they self... Yeah, they have a, a real likeness. Yeah, and I thought I, he was very good as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a real charisma. Though, actually, the younger man is more conventionally handsome. Mm. Whereas, you know, uh, the older one has like this real combination of like, like uh, ugly, attractive. Yeah, like... <laughs> so 18 years I... in prison will do to a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he feels alive and he's got an energy and he has yeah. a wit to the performance, right? Yeah. He's always doing something and he's always doing something that's in character, which is not the case with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. You know, who only acts his big moments, right? But there's these, these scenes in the ring you know, where um, it's it's in a white shot and you see Jonathan Majors, you know, kind of doing things with his feet, you know, and kind of, you know, trying to keep moving. And yeah. like you could see the tension in him and he brings this whole energy that Michael B. Jordan doesn't. Mm. Uh, I, I really loved, I mean, I thought he was the best thing in the film. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mind their reconciliation at the end as well. I mean, I know I said that thing about the, those those previous ends to fights is that it's all about you're a great fighter and all that and I don't like that and here here it has it, it has I wondered whether it would do that you know they share a look in the ring and I'm going is it going to be it happens in the ring but no actually their reconciliation and it's a real reconciliation to a story that they go back a long way so it's not like they're just the new fighter versus the old fighter it goes back a long way and they just sit together on their own in the changing room and they talk and I thought actually this is, it, it, it makes sense it works it really works that aside from the final boxing match yeah that's the only bit of the film that really worked for me. Is that and the bit you were saying? It moved me. Moved you? Yeah. Not the fighting with the daughter in the ring at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but that bit where, you know, they are in character and they are kind of, you know, forgiving each other. And, you know, that whole discussion where we were children and that was the world that we were in, you yeah. know, and it's not on you. And then the other guy says, well, it's not on you either. I mean, I actually found that very moving. I did like it, although I did think, you know, and he says, Adonis says, um, you know, I never came to see you when you were in prison. I never checked up on you. I never followed you. I abandoned you. Yeah, that's on me. And then he goes, that's not on you. And then Adonis goes, that's not on you either. I'm like, someone else just has to come in and go, well, it's not on you. It's like, not on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can end like, it wasn't the best written scene, I didn't think. I don't oh. think some of the dialogue is the greatest. But I, I, I like the kind of earnestness of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, well, anyway, it moved me. Yeah. I mean, I know I was being manipulated but actually, it hit on something that I recognize as, I don't know, true or worthwhile. Or it had yeah. kind of drama and it responded to the situation. And I, it hooked me. Um, I don't want to make any great claims for it. But that was the, the only bit of the film that yeah. worked on me, uh, except for that final boxing match. And really, some of the things were just atrocious, <laughs> you know, like. The whole training montage. Mm. I mean, if you see, like, well, you have seen the previous Rockies. Yeah. Like, they're fun. They've got a song over it. You see the muscles glisten, you know, and it is just there as pure spectacle. But it's got a rhythm and it builds and it puts in a joke or two. Mm. This one, it seems like all scattered all over the place. Even the bit when he's, you know, pushing an airplane doesn't get a laugh. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I think it should. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's terrible. 
I think it has some effective ability to to build. When when the the training montage goes into the introduction to the fight and the fight is coming out, and then obviously you know, I mean, ring entrances are their own spectacle in real life. Mm. Um, so the film doesn't need to kind of invent much about that, but it does, and it has the thing with the actually actually it was the earlier fight where the um, the Mexican boxer yes, is introduced in Calavera. But again, yeah. if you compare that to Apollo Creed's entrance, mm. right, in the early Rocky films, I mean, it's just not comparable, okay. you know. Well, uh, I, st- I still think it worked. I, I, it had, and also the thing is, I mean, when, when we saw Avatar in the IMAX in London and we had those special trailers for special IMAX movies where they said, we filmed this on IMAX and interviews mm. with the director and Creed was one of them. Um, and I don't know that they filmed it on, on full IMAX, but they filmed it with kind of IMAX, uh, like licensed or... or Camera, yeah, like IMAX have they have a kind of um, what's the word? They they kind of certify cameras to say like this is good for an IMAX film sort of thing, and it's all this open mat stuff. So, and then we're only seeing this in the IMAX digital, which is a more conventional widescreen ratio. It's not the full IMAX. That's terrific, though. But you can see the difference when you go into the fights. There is just a little bit at the top and bottom of the screen that's used mm. that is not used for most of the film. The aspect ratio is slightly bigger, and it does make it, even that little bit makes a difference. You suddenly feel more in it, more more enveloped by the image. I think in the opening shots, actually, because I'd forgotten about all that. But in the opening shots, when you you see the young men walk in. And you just see the skin, yeah, mm. and it has a depth to it. And I, you know, for a moment, I wondered, was this shot in thirty-five? Yeah, like, oh, right, you yeah. know, it, it had that kind of texture, that depth. That depth is still rare enough for it to have made an impression on me today. I mean, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that I wondered, right, because it looks so good, right? Yeah. So uh, that's probably where the IMAX paid off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did think in the um, in the fight where. Jonathan Major's character, what's his name? Damien. I mean, yeah, how can this guy be a villain? His name's Damien. <laughs> <laughs> when he's fighting the, the, uh, the Mexican wrestler who is the, the current heavyweight champion um, and he starts just beating the fuck out of him and fighting illegally and so on. The film is really trying to build drama to a degree that I don't think it made It didn't make sense because the idea that he's fighting illegally and like elbowing him and going for gut punches and whatever that are, that are illegal. That's kind of real. That's real drama. But the idea that this guy would get injured in a fight and they would be going, oh, my God. Oh, my God, he's injured. <laughs> a boxer injured. Like, really, what the fuck are you expecting? Uh, I thought that was really kind of dumb. I think one of the things I want to comment on, just because I'm being bitchy, I suppose, um, but the film is very right on about all kinds of things, yeah? Mm. Uh, about racial politics and disability and so on. And one of the things that I thought was not thought through was, um, you know, in the final fight, the good guy is all in white, yeah. wearing gloves, white gloves, white this, and the bad guy is all in black, right? And you think, you you should have thought this through a bit better, I right? Mean, like, that uh, feels very deliberate. That's like uh, the cowboy movies of old, the white hat and the black I know, hat and... but the cowboy movies of old weren't race conscious. No, and, no, you know, no. thinking about how, you know, blackness is always associated with evil, yeah. right? Whereas actually you would expect Michael B. Jordan to be more mindful of those things. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I noticed it. 
Um, and I didn't, I didn't think about it in, in, in racial terms. I thought about it in terms of it's, that's, that's what good guys and bad guys are in very simple movies. Yes. And I guess that's but, where they were coming from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Well, you know, the same way that those expressions like, oh, that's very white of you come from. I mean, it's, it's racialized yeah. kind of language. Right? I mean, I kind of thought, actually, that you've got this whole story about two young black boys who grew up in a group home. I mean, it's funny, I've been watching a lot of uh, Akala recently, who's a, a black British rapper. Actually, I think he's, he's um, actually, he talked about this in one of his, one of the interviews I saw with him, you know, one of his parents is black and one is white, but that just makes him black in the mm. world today, you know? And he talks a lot about um, kind of quote unquote, black on black violence mm. and crime and whether that's a real thing. And he talks like, it's not really a real thing. It comes, it comes down to deeper issues about, class and growing up without fathers mm. things like this um anyway i'm kind of watching it with a little bit of that in mind because you got this story about these two young black boys who are growing up without fathers without much direction they rely on each other one of them has a little bit of a dispensation towards violence we see he carries a gun mm. and that's i think he's kind of essentially coded as quote-unquote bad in that respect even though he doesn't end up using it the film mm. kind of teases through those flashbacks whether he killed someone or not um, turns out that he didn't, but he had this gun, and that's all. Mm. That was enough to get him into prison for for quite a long time. Um, and then he comes out of prison, and I want the film to kind of be talking a little bit more about about the systems that are behind someone being in prison for that long, and what and what happens to them when they come out, and the kind of person that it turns you into or encourages you to be. It, it's not right. It's really not. That whole thing really pissed me off. I just thought, you know, whoever wrote the screenplay is an idiot. You know, and certainly doesn't know anything about people. Um, you know, I again, I just think it's all attitudes. That scene, you know, in the diner where he says, "Oh, you know, you're laying on the sauce. Yeah, I haven't eaten, you know, this type of food for eighteen years." You know, fair enough. But then the whole thing about the money. I mean, imagine if you're coming out right of prison and you have no money and you're on welfare and like you, you know, your best friends from childhood. Mm. I mean. Yeah, I, I didn't well, understand the pride thing, that. Isn't it? That's the thing is about pride. No, I, I didn't come here for a handout. I know it's meant to be pride, but you could show pride and you could show kind of accepting it and needing it. And, you know, kind of, I just thought that was like so, like, false, right? Like not an ounce of truth in that those whole scenes, actually. Mm. Well, I mean, the thing is, ultimately, we, we discover, although, like I say, if you haven't been figuring this out on the way, then what have you been watching? We discover that Damien has got kind of plans yes. on on revenge, essentially, on uh, Adonis for for abandoning him. Um, or so he thinks. You know, we see part of this thing about the letters that that Damien was sending from prison that Adonis's mother never let him see. But then we also get this thing at the end. You know, even with regards to those letters, I didn't come and see you. I didn't do this. I did abandon you. So there's mm. there's there's kind of shared blame. Also, we don't know what those letters say. I mean, you know, which again is such a missed opportunity in terms of a screenplay. I mean, are they blaming him? Are they beseeching him? Are they saying come and visit me? You don't know. Yeah. Right. M- might there be some narrative arc to those letters? First, you know, how yeah. are you? Then you fucking bastard. Right. Like. Nothing, you you know. Yeah, that's true. I we, mean, that's we, terrible storytelling. Um, yeah, we just see we see the mother show him 
that she has these letters, yes. but we don't get a sense of what I, I, I did. I thought that was disappointing as well. But yeah, so the thing about the the money in the in the restaurants at the start and and kind of turning it away within the context of the film, within the the type of story it was telling, the way it was telling its story in these very broad terms, I didn't have a problem with it because the fact that he rebuffs the offer of the money, this is kind of what I'm saying about the um, more generally the the way it portrays prison or coming out of prison and and what it means to come from poverty and that sort of thing um it's incredibly broad and not that bright and and not that interested in in talking about those things in any depth and to to the extent that it is talking about those things it's using them to express kind of big grand character things about about pride and vengeance and so on um so so it, it like it simplifies or even makes unrealistic, but kind of for its character purposes, if you see what I mean. Like, I kind of let it have it. I know. Well, I'm just being more demanding. I mean, I know where you're coming from, and obviously lots of people have bought into it. The film is very popular. Mm. I just think a better director and a better screenwriter would have brought more values to that scene. Mm. You know, he might have been tempted by the money and turned it down, or it could have been indicated that he wants something else from him, so he's turning down the money for something else. Right? There are so many, and you could have shown all of those things happening simultaneously to make it more dramatic instead of just mm-hmm. this attitude, no, thank you, I'm too proud. Like, come yeah. on. But I, think, <laughs> I see it as a, like, a long term, like he's, he's ingratiating himself into his life, isn't he? Well, but actually, that's, I mean, but is he playing him for that? Like, you know, again, you could have added all these dimensions to that scene and just made it richer. And it just comes across as an attitude. <laughs> uh, so I really hated it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyler is even too strong. I just found it, like, dull throughout and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, so I thought it was, the, the direction was terrible. I thought it was really poorly written. Uh, I thought the actors were flat until the villain appears, right? Uh, then it, he added some excitement. But uh, I think it's a very poor film. I think it's the weakest in the whole series for me. Including all the other Rockies? Including all the others. I definitely don't think that. I mean, there were some real stinkers. This is the stinkiest of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I think even the stinkers had a kind of a pulpiness, you know? It had an energy. Mm. Yeah, and a kind of... And they flowed. Whereas I thought this was all, like, so static, even when it was moving. I thought the scenes had no rhythm. It's like, you know, I think Stallone is a storyteller. Yeah. You know, and I think Michael Jordan isn't, mm. you know. Not that I want to make any great claims for Stallone. <laughs> you know, no, but, no. <laughs> You know what I, I also hate? Hate is too, too strong a word in this. But where this film also fails for me is that, you know, the boxing films are all about class and masculinity. Mm. really you get no sense of that here at all you know it has nothing to do with you know what it means to be a black man in america today right kind of the class issue is long left in the other films so you know he's now completely at ease in this you know home overlooking los angeles right like you have no sense of what he's struggling for or with or anything right and and to give up class and masculinity and, you know, that sense of a man having to fight with his body to get, like, a foot in him, yeah, mm. or or to preserve his, his dignity or or to fight even for his family. Like, 
I'm not sure I totally agree with this. Because I think I think that um, this one starts off with uh, Adonis being incredibly comfortable in his big, expensive mansion with his family, and people he talks about saying people think I've gone soft. Hmm. You know, people kind of accuse him of it a little bit, maybe um, since he retired and he was comfortable and all that. And one of the things that that Damien does when he re-enters his life and starts becoming antagonistic towards him is he starts teasing him about that and goading him about it and saying run you ran yeah well one thing is you ran um when we were kids and that and that does kind of torture that plays with adonis's head you see him thinking about remembering it you get that shot of the kid running into the distance and the long shadow behind him that kind of emphasizes what he's dragging with him with that um and this thing about you where you live now is comfortable and everything and you you have to live like I did. That kind of, like he's he's playing on that, and he's also playing on when he goes on TV and he rings in. I can forget what the lines of dialogue are, but he's playing on a masculinity angle as well with that. You're playing, you know, you're you're. But you're it's pussy such. I'm not saying it's clever. I'm saying it's there, sense. but it, it could be way better than. If it you is. think of like John Garfield in Body and Soul, where you know he's. He's a Jew whose father has been shot by gangsters in his candy store. And then his mother's on welfare, you know, and he's just trying to keep it all together. And the only way he can do it is with his body. And even as he's doing it, his mother is berating him for taking that path. Like you have all of those kind of yeah conflicts playing out over a man's body. That's not the case. Here. No, it's not. I agree with you. It could be way better and richer than it is. I wanted it to be. Mm. But it is there. It is. It's there in the in the most superficial sense. It you know it hasn't it hasn't forgotten that this is a story to do with class and masculinity, but it's not doing anything interesting or rich with it. No, that's okay. The issue. So yeah. we're kind of on the same page. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I to me it's the worst of uh, the films in the series. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is not a storyteller. Uh, and he's certainly uh, not a director. Uh, I can understand the film's popularity, though, because it's smart about putting all the best bits in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, you leave feeling not too bad about it, right? Whereas, you know, I think for the first hour, 15 minutes, first hour and a half or something like that, I was just, like, enduring it, right? Mm. Uh, waiting for it to end. And then it kind of gave me a lift at the end. Well, I was not bored. I was fairly entertained throughout, but it's not a good film, and everything about it was something that I wanted to be more interesting and more in depth, mm. and that sort of thing. Except for the three fights that we see mm. in the ring, I think they're all really good, and I, I like being there. I think they're quite stylish. They're quite effective. They're they're I mean, big and loud and all the rest of it. And um, and then when you get to that <laughs> German expressionist bit towards the end, I think actually no, do you know what? I don't mind this. Yeah, well done. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>